Stay tuned for Occupied Territory America with Mike Fader. And this is Occupied Territory America with Mike Fader. We had a guest scheduled today who was going to talk about a um, new uh, proposal for a uh, surveillance building financed by the Homeland Security Department in Oakland, which the Oakland City Council has decided to move forward with. Uh, Of course, it'll be used to spy on everybody. Ostensibly, it's supposed to be uh, protecting the port. Which could be an important thing to do. You know, I mean, this is one of the most important ports in the world. Certainly, I think it's probably the biggest port in the United States. Uh, more goes in and out of there. And stuff that we need, stuff we don't need. But it's an important port. There are thousands of jobs in, uh, involved. And you do want to have some protection on it. But this is, of course, uh, nonsense what they're doing here. This is the Department of Homeland Security. It's a $10 million project. And it's a surveillance center run by the Oakland Police Department, uh, famous for being uh, friendly towards everybody, obviously. And Oakland was the scene uh, during the original Occupy and Onward uh, movement, where there was a tremendous amount of uh, police violence. And uh, actually, there were some successes there by the um, Occupy movement in conjunction with some unions in shutting down that port because of the maltreatment of uh, truck drivers and other union workers. So it was one of the best examples of uh, union cooperation and the Occupy movement, which eventually uh, has to be a kind of beginning of an American revolution. Uh, Unless, of course, we're talking about a violent revolution, but we're going to talk about that later in the show. But uh, we saw Occupy and unions working together successfully out in Oakland, which is perhaps why the Oakland Police Department, famous for its violence uh, and um, trampling of human rights, uh, attacking people uh, uh, in the way that they uh, specialize in in Oakland. Anyhow, so the, the Oakland Police Department and Homeland Security are going to build a uh, ultra-high-tech $10 million surveillance center. And, uh, of course, it'll be used to spy on everybody. There's going to be something like um, a 1,000 closed-circuit television surveillance cameras, and uh, several hundred of which would be scattered around outside the port. Maybe some of them would even be in public schools. How that protects the port's a mystery to me, but, uh, and you know, it involves the usual license plate readers around the whole area, thermal imaging devices, gunshot detection sensors, toll payment tracking, and amongst uh, other things. So um, there is a group out there which is organizing to fight against this and to demonstrate against the using citizens' money. <clears throat> that is to say, your money and my money. This is uh, the federal government from Homeland Security is giving them this money. They're giving them our money, right? This is supposed to be a representative government. Anyhow, to spy on all of us and to uh, actually put the, uh, the icing on top of the uh, cake of the police state out there. Anyway, we had a guest who's involved in, um, in taking some action on this, but he seems to be missing in action himself today. So we'll try to hook up with him some other time. 
Meanwhile, <coughs> on this show we frequently, have, we've had guests on this show, uh, workers who work in places uh, like McDonald's and Walmarts. We've had guests and lawyers talking about the way uh, huge uh, American corporations treat their workers, uh, especially McDonald's and Walmarts and Walmart. But, uh, and essentially this show is, of course, about income inequality. And when it comes to income inequality on a personal basis and on a corporate basis, nothing uh, in, uh, in the United States, maybe for all I know in the world, since we're talking about a major international corporation, one of the biggest corporations in the whole world, Walmart, nothing matches Walmart. Nothing matches the Walmart family in terms of its um, total wealth versus the rest of us. And nothing matches Walmart as a corporation in the way it treats its workers, the way it pays its workers, and the profits that it makes, and the money that accrues to the people who own Walmart. <coughs> uh, let me uh, go over some details here. Uh, just recently, just the other day, there was an announcement in the uh, newspaper. And, and if you've been following this show and you've been following this, uh, this uh, story about Walmart, the issues about Walmart, is that Walmart workers have uh, off and on in various places in the country and increasingly uh, staged um, walkouts and labor protests. Uh, there are some very uh, complex, arcane rules about how one forms a union in this country, uh, whether or not you're even allowed to form a union. In some states, of course, are, they're very anti-union. Places like Texas and, you know, the typical, you name it, the usual suspects. Texas, Alabama, other places like that, where they pay people practically no money whatsoever. There's hardly any protection for workers. <clears throat> and we're talking about Rick Perry's Texas, of course, where he goes around the country now and around the world selling Texas as a place for corporations to go because the state will never tax them or hardly tax them at all, and then we'll make sure that the workers are as close to serfs and peons and slaves as possible. But um, we have talked in this program about uh, the fact that a lot of Walmart workers, and we had somebody on last week, um, you know, who was a, a Walmart worker, and uh, we, um, we, you know, we find out that the people who work at Walmart make an average, uh, they're called associates, which is, uh, you know, typical to use language like that, you know, to... to manipulate and to debase uh, language to uh, give people the impression or to give the public the impression that things are actually uh, more than they are. Basically, you're talking about people who are salespeople, clerks, and people who are just greeters, you know, why, you know, why gussy it all up? But they call them associates. And it's an interesting choice of words because an associate, like at a law firm, an associate at a business or associate... Um, at a university, associate professor. Associate is the name they give to somebody in many industries and businesses and organizations who has a chance to, A, benefit from whatever profit or whatever, uh, whatever um, uh, laudatory things will accrue to the organization. If you're an associate, you are part of it. You are part of it, and you will possibly get some benefits from whatever comes into that organization or company. Also... The second part about the use of the word associate and the meaning of the word is that if you start out as an associate, you can obviously move up. You know, if somebody starts out as a clerk or as a greeter or as a salesperson or as a packager or as a, um, a stockroom person, there is not an indication even linguistically, let alone realistically, that you're going to move up anywhere. Uh, you may 
yet move up. But there's no, there's no promise of it and there's no hope of it, generally speaking. But to call somebody an associate when they're just doing all those other jobs is uh, typical nonsense that, uh, that corporations use. They hire people. They actually hire people and pay them a lot of money to come up with these names. I, um, <clears throat> for my uh, terrible sins, I once worked at a law firm as a paralegal, and it was uh, a corporate law firm where they did patent and trademark work, and they did, uh, they did a favor for companies. They hired companies that, that would find names for things. I myself, actually, uh, we, wor- we worked for a large international drug company, and this drug company specialized in making um, uh, creams and lotions and other things for people's faces and to get rid of acne and to get rid of wrinkles, you know, this usual, this crap. And uh, they gave me the job of na- because you know I was artistic. <laughs> they gave me the job of naming these things. Th- there are millions of people in the world using products called like Acaway or you know Skin Glow or something. Uh, and I made up the name of these these things. And they hire. This was a way to save the company money, by the way, because I was just getting paid by the hour as a paralegal. So this was extra work. And, uh, you know, it, I guess it uh, touched my vanity. They flattered me by telling me I was artistic and got away with, you know, more stuff. Although once I came up with the name of a product that was so good and the company liked it so much that they actually gave me a bonus at the job. It's all part of the, um, the toadying joys of capitalism until you sort of look at the broader picture. <clears throat> Anyhow. So um, they hire people to come up with this. They, you know, it, it may not be that anybody, I mean, a, a corporation as large as Walmart has an in-house, uh, you know, group that does um, publicity, public relations, uh, you know, uh, human resources. And maybe one of their people came up with the name associate, which is used in other places, too. You know, hi, I'm your sales associate. I'm going to be making $12 an hour for the rest of my life and be on welfare. But I'm an associate, Right. So this bull crap, right, probably, uh, but they hire uh, companies. They probably paid some uh, advertising company $50,000 or $100,000 to get back in with them in a week to pick out the perfect word. Anyhow, so the associates, there was an article just the other day in the paper that uh, associates, uh, salespeople, clerks, whatever, at Walmart, and there are 2.2 million, I'll say that again, 2.2 million Walmart employees in the world. Like I said, includes, uh, you know, uh, managers and people who work at the home office, including all the way up to the CEO, if you can call him an employee. But basically, there are, in the United States, there's something like one point something million. And if you add in the rest of the world, 2.2 million employees of Walmart, 1.1 million employees who work in the stores in the United States. (coughs) I think it's the largest employer in the United States. Increasingly, because of the way that they treat their employees at Walmart and the way they mistreat and maltreat their employees at Walmart, where they don't give them full-time hours, where they don't tell them until the last second if they're going to work, which hours they're going to work that week, where they don't provide health benefits or decent health benefits for a lot of people, where the pay is so low for the average Walmart associate that uh, the average Walmart associate increasingly is applying for food stamps, Um, and also for other public assistance, either state or federal public assistance. (coughs) Now, of course, you understand that when Walmart cheats its own workers, they're actually cheating you and me. Because if people apply for a SNAP program, if they apply for food stamps, 
uh, if, if thousands, if tens of thousands of Walmart workers apply for food stamps because they don't have enough money from what they are getting paid at Walmart to buy food for themselves or their family, if they have to apply for other forms of assistance, uh, medical help or Medicaid or other kind of assistance, that money is tax money that is taken out of your check and my check or out of, uh, you know, programs that could go to Social Security. It's federal money. It's state money. It's tax money that we pay. So, in other words, for Walmart to make a gigantic profit, and last year they made a profit of $15.1 billion. That is a net profit <clears throat> of $15.1 billion last year. For, in order for them to make a profit and to further enrich the richest family in the United States, possibly the richest family in the world, uh, the Walton family, uh, we pay uh, our tax money to provide welfare for their workers. So basically what we're doing is we're giving welfare to Walmart itself. The Walmart Corporation is a welfare corporation. They are, in the words of a right-winger or somebody like Romney or anybody or some you know, libertarian individualist like uh, Paul Rand or Rand Paul or John Paul or whatever his name is, um, they, are, um, you know, they are welfare queens. They're whiners. They're suckers of the national, you know, S-U-C-K-E-R-S, of the national bone marrow. They should all be, you know, um, poisoned and used for uh, fertilizer or dumped in the Atlantic Ocean. They're just leeching off the rest of us. No. Who is leeching off the rest of us uh, is the Walmart Corporation. Because if they are growing obscenely rich to the point of biblical proportions of, of obscene, insane riches, if they are growing so rich by paying so little to their employees that these employees need hundreds of millions of dollars. Walmart employees need, I don't know what the total aggregate is, but it's hundreds of millions of dollars in federal and state and city public assistance every year. That means all of us are paying for uh, Rob Walton and Alice Walton and all these other people who are worth $20, $30 billion each. We're paying their salaries. We're paying for them to get richer. We support their rich lifestyle and their obscene uh, behavior in the world uh, by, the fact, uh, by virtue of the fact that they pay so little to their employees. So over the last couple of years, <clears throat> uh, let me take this jacket off here. Because, you know, doing radio is hard work. And, you know, the pay down here, I might have to do a, work, a workout, work, you know, like walk out over here at PRN myself because the pay down here is abysmal. In fact, it's nothing. <laughs> We're all volunteers here, you know, on this station. So if you ever thought of um, contributing to this radio station, if you listen to at least this show or other shows on prn.fm and you like them, you might want to, there is a place to donate. Is there a place, Mr. Engineer, there's a place to donate on the website, right? Click on it. No, there isn't. There used to be. All right. Yeah, there is. Okay. Uh, we're having a little uh, informational. Yeah, okay. So there is a place. Theoretically, there's a place to donate. If you like PRN, you like this show or other shows on PRN, there is a place to donate. And we could use um, some donations here to help pay the uh, electricity and the salaries of people who actually do get paid, the staff, the engineer, the program director, the archivists, other people who work here. 
Um, where was it? Okay, so in the last couple of years, Walmart people, uh, because of the way they're treated by their bosses, they're abused by their bosses at Walmart, threatened, not given decent hours, not given decent uh, pay, and making so little they need public assistance. Uh, a lot of them have been staging walkouts. They formed a group called R Walmart, O-U-R, R Walmart, and uh, you can Google it and go to their website if you want. And basically, it's for Walmart workers to use your national website to organize them. Um, and the United Food and Commercial Workers Union, uh, who, which has headquarters in Washington, which is too bad, but nevertheless, they do. The United uh, Food and Commercial Workers, UFCW, and I've had those people on the air here too, they are helping the Walmart workers uh, organize these walkouts at their stores. Some of them are only, you know, obviously uh, not every employee at a Walmart walks out at one time. They haven't gotten to that point yet, but they're trying to work on that point, and we all have to hope they do get to that point. What we'd like to see is, and I say we, what do I mean we? most decent human beings in this country as opposed to the people who own and run Walmart uh, and the government uh, which gives them subsidies and we'll get to that in a little while too. We would like to see a nationwide uh, walkout or even a boycott of Walmart. Now that's a really difficult thing to do because one thing that Walmart does do, two things Walmart does, but this is in the framework once again of a sort of a sick kind of capitalist system, which is getting sicker all the time. Walmart provides jobs to lots of people. But what kind of jobs are they? These are permanently um, uh, low-level, poverty-level jobs, which uh, keep people in poverty in perpetuity. They will never pay people a decent wage because they're based on enriching their uh, shareholders and enriching the people who own the company. The Walton family... Rob, uh, you know, Alice, and you know, I hate to use their first names like they're actual real people instead of pigs that they are, but, you know, they have names. Rob, Alice, a few other people. The Walmart family, uh, there are five or six of them, I forget which, <clears throat> they have $120 billion. Um, they, they uh, you know, if they stay that rich uh, off, the, uh, off the poverty and misery and suffering, of other people, um, what we're looking for here is a nationwide walkout. But the problem is that the Walmart company provides over a million jobs in this country, more jobs in this country than any other corporation. And then so they say, you know, uh, well, if you're going to attack us and you're going to talk about income inequality and you're going to be all socialist about it and you want to pay, you want us to pay our workers a decent living wage so they don't have to be on welfare and be humiliated and borrow money from other people that can't pay back and use payday lenders. If you want that, then, uh, you know, we're going to have to just go out of bit. We'd go out of business or uh, we'll have to um, we'll have to just fire a whole bunch of people. We can't afford to do that. Oh, really? How about this? And here's a revolutionary idea, to use a certain word. How about you don't make $100 million a year in profit on dividends, Rob, Alice? How about you, uh, you know, sell off $20 billion of your $30 billion in assets and ownership of stock shares and uh, buildings and property and investments in other companies? Why don't you sell that all off? Why don't you uh, earn $1 million a year in dividends instead of 100 or $200 million a year in dividends from stock they own from Walmart? 
Why don't you just get rid of all that, turn it back to the workers, pay them all forty or $50,000 a year for the hard work they do, as opposed to what you do, like sitting on your ass in Hawaii, talking to your broker all day long, or whatever the fuck it is you do. Why don't you do that? And then we won't have to worry about... Uh, we won't have to worry about losing all those jobs. You know, this is within a framework of a capitalist system. But they're saying they threaten you. And then they say, you can't. Look, we're providing a million jobs. Otherwise, all those people would go hungry. No, they're going hungry because you pay them so little. That's why. But this is what they get away with. People buy this stuff. The other thing is, is that, um, and this is just an extension of what goes on in Walmart. Walmart is the perfect symbol for all of this stuff, right? The, by extension... Uh, you know, people who shop at Walmart, and I have in my life, like three or four years ago, I went to a big Walmart up in Maine, and, um, you know, my wife was very happy because we got, you know, four decent flannel shirts, of course, made in China by some more slave laborers um, for um, for something like um, $12 or something like that. This is, um, was I always an enlightened figure? <laughs> No, 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 no. Which I think makes this show all the more valuable because I have sinned a lot in the past. And one of the reasons I think I do this show is to make up for not, you know, not my obscene, you know, um, immoral behavior, but just my passivity and my, you know, my desire to sort of just go along with what everybody else did. Oh, Walmart. Yeah, cheap. I bought a gun once at Walmart way back in the day. This was when I was in my 20s. I went into a Walmart somewhere out west and bought a gun. But um, so there's a history to everything. Meanwhile, so you've got tens of millions of Americans, tens of millions of Americans who also uh, are hovering near poverty or paid so little for their hard work in the world that gives the rest of us a chance to live and eat and drive on roads and to be safe or to have fires put out. People get paid so little in this country. <clears throat> there is so much income inequality that shopping at Walmarts becomes a necessity for them. So what you have is this locked-in international uh, inequality and slave labor and obscene riches model. And Walmart is the perfect symbol of it. It's the highest achievement of uh, this miserable, uh, immoral, capitalistic inequality. You've got workers in China who are employed by, uh, you know, the, the Waltons of China, whoever they, whatever their names are. You've got piratical, depraved, uh, capitalist Chinese, um, you know, corporate magnates over there who employ people, make them live in dormitories. They work 12 hours a day. They work six days a week. They don't have any breaks at all. Um, they get paid something like the equivalent of $2 an hour or a dollar an hour sometimes, maybe $3 an hour if they're lucky. <clears throat> they're treated like, uh, like crap. Sometimes they're beat up. They complain about things. They're abused. And um, these people turn out a lot of the products at a very, very cheap rate, of course. And, of course, the owners of these factories, these huge factories that turn out this clothing and other stuff that Walmart purchases from China or lamps or a million other things that they purchase from China, made by almost slave labor. So that system is perpetuated over there, right? And a lot of, as you can see from reading the paper, a lot of the top Chinese people are, it's the same thing as the United States now. They have never, they abandoned capitalism for a long time, and they had a, uh, a government-run, uh, uh, you know, they had a socialist state in name, anyhow. But people, clearly, they've, they've, they've thrown, easily thrown that off the cliff, pushed it to the curb, whatever. And now capitalism 
is thriving over in China even worse than it is over here. There's more inequality in China, and uh, there is um, you know, more of a Gilded Age mentality over there than even in this country, which is about as bad as it gets. <clears throat> so you've got millions of workers slaving away over there for almost nothing, enriching people over there. Uh, so you make this stuff that the Chinese can sell it very, very cheap, and even with importation, you know, and whatever it costs to bring, bring it here. <clears throat> it's bought by Walmart uh, for ridiculously low prices because it's made by slave labor. And then it's put in stores and sold to people in this country who are also paid far less than they should be so that the CEOs of companies that they work for or high-level government employees or university employees or whoever it is can make obscene salaries and profits. So the whole system is interconnected. This is the way the world is working. This is the way the world has more or less always worked, but this is how we're all seeing it more clearly than we ever did now. <coughs> so this is, this is how it goes. So you have a country full of people, and that includes uh, most people who are, what, are in what used to be called the middle class. You're in the middle class, maybe. I'm in the middle class, maybe. But not really anymore. It used to mean something if you were in the middle class, again, all part of a capitalist framework, that you made enough money so that you didn't have to worry all the time. You always had enough to eat. You had a decent, clean house, maybe in a decent uh, neighborhood. You were able to buy a car and uh, not worry from every you know, month whether or not you could afford uh, the gas or the insurance to pay for it or the registration fees. You had a house. You had a car. If you lived in the city, you had enough money. To, once in a while, you could go out and do things that you wanted to do. You could enjoy things. You could uh, take vacations. You could certainly maybe pay for your kids' clothes or lessons they wanted. You know, you lived a certain kind of life. It wasn't uh, a particularly um, extravagant or luxurious life, but it was a decent life and what Americans considered a decent life anyhow. <clears throat> that is disappearing, as we all know. I'm sure that most of you who listen to me right now worry about things that you didn't used to worry about so much. And of course, if you're retired or you're getting a pension, uh, the value of your money keeps going down and down and down because it's a fixed amount of money. If you're on Social Security or getting a pension or whatever, some plan, and the price of everything seems to double every year or go double every couple of years. Food, rent, gasoline, anything extra that you might want. But basics, clothing, electricity, power, anything. It's all going up. Services of any sort. It's going up. Telephones. Up, 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 up. But you have a fixed amount of income. It's never adjusted and it's never raised. That's what you get. <clears throat> so in fact, we don't really have much of a middle class here anymore. What we have is a ruling class, which is getting richer all the time, turning into almost like a feudal society. Uh, the Gilded Age in capitalism from the 1880s and 1890s, basically around you know, the turn of that century, where there were um, uh, many people, let's say several thousand people, uh, maybe hundreds and hundreds or thousands of families who had great, great wealth. And some people had astoundingly great wealth, like the Morgans and the Rockefellers and the Goulds and other people. And the rest of the country had practically nothing. And people were literally starving since there was no government aid in those days. None. Zero. People were starving in the streets, freezing to death, or dying uh, from illnesses because they had no uh, money to pay a doctor or buy a drug. Period. That's how it was. 
We passed some laws in the 30s that addressed this, that seemed to just approach, finally, uh, the concept that we all live together and we all have a responsibility towards each other. And if people work and work and work and work, they shouldn't uh, starve to death and their family shouldn't starve to death or freeze to death in the winter while somebody who they worked for uh, in a group of thousands of other people in a coal mine or in a steel uh, plant or in a gigantic Garmin uh, factory where the people who own those had 12 houses and four yachts and uh, had uh, great banquets almost every night of the week. We, we, we decided in the 30s after the Depression that that was wrong, not just um, statistically or, uh, or, you know, or theoretically wrong, that it was morally wrong, <clears throat> that a few people should be very, very rich and the rest of the country be very poor. And yet somehow we're smack in it again here. So that's what Walmart says. You want us? Uh, you know, we're selling all this cheap stuff. Um, for people who can't afford uh, to go anywhere else. That's true. Right now in America, tens of millions of people have to shop at Walmarts or shop at Walmart because there's no place else they can buy things cheap enough to get by on the miserable salaries they're paid by the very, very rich people in this country. And once again, as I say, Walmart is the perfect example of this. You've got people at the top of Walmart, the family, the Walton family, uh, they have about $120 billion in assets. The dividend payments, Walmart owns 50%. Walmart is a, um, a public company, but it's 50% owned by six people. Let me say that again. The Walmart Corporation, which made $15.1 billion in profits last year, is 50% owned by six people, which means they got half that profit. And in addition to that, the stock that they own in their own company paid dividends. And the average dividend for a, a family member in Walmart last year, just a dividend, where wherever it is you're doing, you're out riding your horse or riding around your yacht or relaxing in Hawaii at your 12th mansion, you automatically, into your bank account, which uh, a bank you probably own that you created yourself, each member of the Walton family uh, gets $125 million in dividend payments every year from the stock they own at Walmart. All this money flowing to them. All this money flowing to them. Here's some facts about... Uh, so Walmart is, um, is now being investigated by the National Labor Relations Board. People at Walmart are increasingly are getting sick and fed up and trying to unite with each other, trying to form a union, and we can only hope that they do. So life is better for them and all better for the rest of us. And there's some um, <clears throat> inroads made on this tremendous inequality. National Labor Relations Board, uh, the agency's general counsel, has investigated and found merit in workers' claims that Walmart unlawfully threatened employees for taking part in walkouts surrounding last year's Black Friday shopping season. The agency, National Labor Relations Board, uh, also created in the 30s, by the way, said that Walmart intimidated, surveilled, or punished workers in 14 different states violating U.S. labor law. And now they're going to hold an investigation into it. Of course, uh, immediately a Walmart uh, spokesperson. Can you imagine being a Walmart spokesperson? You make $200,000 a year. Knowing people live in poverty, but you're the spokesperson, and you go home at night to your family, how can you look yourself in the mirror? How can you even sleep? What kind of person is it that's a spokesperson for Walmart? 
Unbelievable. Is there a ninth circle of hell? Anyhow, the Walmart spokesperson, David Tovar, T-O-V-A-R, if you want to look him up, maybe you'd like to say hi if he's got uh, some place you can contact him, told CBS Evening News uh, there would be no consequences for workers who are expected to show up for work and don't. That's a lie. <laughs> so Dave lied. And Walmart was discovered to have been um, violating the way that people treat workers. And um, they are going the general counsel's uh, charge amounts to an allegation by a prosecutor, not a ruling by the whole board. Such cases are often resolved before the board actually moves to prosecute a company. Wouldn't we like to see that? Wouldn't we have some minute sense that there was something still called justice in this country if the National Labor Relations Board moved to prosecute Walmart. Anyhow, usually they make, guess what, a settlement to which the parties agree. If Walmart and the workers' representatives can't come to terms, then the Labor Board will file its complaints. I don't know how the legality of it works. But um, uh, it says here, an estimated 400 Walmart workers took place took part in Black Friday strikes last year. That's last year. Now, it's coming up again, by the way, and I'll tell you a little bit about that in a minute, arguing that the company provides unlivable wages, scant benefits, and erratic scheduling. The United Food and Commercials Worker and its non-union Walmart affiliate, R. Walmart, which you should go check out both, please, both of these places, R. Walmart, say they're planning more strikes this holiday shopping season. That's next week, although they wouldn't estimate on Monday, how many workers take part. It's very difficult, obviously, to get people who are dirt poor, who are threatened, who might lose their jobs and be retaliated against, to walk off their jobs at Walmart. And yet some people are brave enough to do it because they see the larger picture. But it takes a lot of courage, and your family has to pay for it. This is the way it's always been. When, when garment workers struck, when miners struck, when people, when auto workers struck, all through American history, when there were big strikes, people... Um, went without. They had practically nothing to begin with, which is why they struck. And the working conditions were awful. So they rolled the dice and said, okay, we'll just try to get by in the days and weeks it takes before these people cave in and do the right thing. Often it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Also, they have to put up with violence. The city police, the state police, the U.S. Army hired goons to beat them up. The mafia was hired in, the, in New York City by garment manufacturers to beat up women who went on strike in the garment workers union. They had to hire their own people, where actually they had to recruit their own people. My grandfather was one of them, to his credit, to protect the women who were on strike at garment workers factories, garment factories in uh, the early 1900s. And uh, so they hired people like my grandfather, who had been a professional boxer, to protect them from the mafia and even from the police who used to charge their horses and trample them, right? Okay, so this is what, this is what it takes when you go on strike in this country because it's a capitalist country. So here's something uh, from just uh, two days ago. Walmart has announced that it will open its stores at 6 p.m. on Thanksgiving, joining retailers like Target, Best Buy, Kmart, Macy's, Kohl's, and JCPenney, and Toys R Us, that are cutting their workforce's holiday short to pursue holiday season profits. Kmart will open its doors, the earliest of all the stores, at 6 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day. <clears throat> Almost nobody to date has moved up, or at least one hour, moved up at least one hour, if not more. Uh, everybody has done that, rather. Walmart chief marketing officer, and there's another guy who should burn in hell, Walmart chief marketing officer Duncan McNaughton said Monday, 
We thought 6 o'clock was the exact right time to win the weekend. He explained that 1 million workers needed to staff stores. The 1 million workers, listen to this now. This is a spokesperson, chief marketing officer for Walmart, uh, announcing that they're going to, um, last year was 8 o'clock when they required um, workers to be there. Now it's 6 o'clock, so forget about having your own Thanksgiving if you're a Walmart worker. Six o'clock was the exact time to win the weekend, he said. And this is what he says. He says, the one million workers needed to staff the stores are really excited to work that day. Unbelievable. Just, just, it's so humiliating that they, that they would speak this way. They can get away with saying anything they want because they have the cops, they have the government, and they have an uh, interlocking directorate of board members on their side. Last year, Walmart faced protests and strikes for creeping into holiday hours. The 8 p.m. start time prompted an online petition that collected more than 30,000 signatures. As consolation, the retailer said it will pay workers higher holiday wages, yeah, maybe, and give them one 25% discount on a transaction and give them a free meal. In other words, we will pet you on the head. We will, uh, we will uh, you know, say how, what a good boy and girl you are, and we'll give you some candy uh, as long as you stay, you know, in this system and work like a slave so that we can all get rich. What Walmart did not explain in its announcement is that one million workers have little choice but to work. They're excited, right? Retailers have li- insisted they will afford time off to any worker who wanted to spend time with their families. However, far from being excited to work the holiday rush, it's more likely managers have flatly told staff they cannot request the time off. The Huffington Post has reported on several signs popping up in Kmart stores to tell employees not to even bother requesting time off. Kmart denies this. Of course, somebody who's paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to be a spokesperson for Kmart denies this. The workers who volunteer to show up on a holiday may be doing so because they can't otherwise get enough hours. More than 8 million people are currently working part-time in this country. More than 8 million people are currently working part-time but want to be full-time. Erratic scheduling is not only an issue that hits Walmart around the frantic holiday season, it has long been accused of understaffing and constantly changing schedules, etc., etc. A few facts about Walmart. Once again, as reported many times, the uh, Walmart family, six people, have a total net, I don't like the word worth because they're worth crap, but they have total net assets of $120 billion. The Walmart family, those six people, have as they own as much and have as much money and have as much property and have as many shares of stock. They have more assets than the bottom 41% of the entire American country. They have, 41, they have more money than the bottom 41%. That is to say... Something like uh, 180 million people altogether at the bottom of the income level, which is fast, including you, me, and everybody else we know. The elderly with Social Security, people who make 40000 or $50,000 a year, are headed right to or at the bottom of American, um, American earners uh, in terms of what you can afford to buy with the little money they give you. These six people own and have as much money and as many things and as much property as about 160, um, 150, 140 million other Americans, six people. Now, this is just wrong, and there's hardly a word to describe it. Anyhow, 
Here's some uh, interesting facts about the Walton, uh, Walmart and the Walton family. They own 50% of Walmart. Uh, a notable former member of the board of Walmart. Next time, by the way, if you're thinking about lesser of two evils and uh, you're looking for who to vote for, a former uh, board uh, member of, the, uh, of Walmart is Hillary Clinton, who was on the board of Walmart from 1985 to 1992. You might want to ask Hill about that. A poll indicated that after the 2004 U.S. presidential election, 76% of voters who shop at Walmart once a week voted for George Bush, while only 23% supported Senator John Kerry. When measured against other similar retailers in the U.S., frequent Walmart shoppers were rated the most politically conservative. Why is that? That's a whole other complicated story. But that's essentially because people in this country are ignorant and they're force-fed or just plain fed um, a daily diet of crazy lies and bigoted crap by most of the media, which includes places like MSNBC, Fox News, and every other place. And so what you have is millions of people winding up voting for people like George Bush who um, make income inequality a possibility and a, and, a, and a reality in this country. So people are voting completely against their own interests, completely against their own interests for people who couldn't care less that they live or die and would rather they died if they're not going to work hard for nothing. And basically it's a situation of uh, somebody once compared it to uh, chickens voting for Colonel Sanders. That's what, that's what, that's what you get. A, a 2004 paper by two professors at Pennsylvania State University found that uh, U.S. counties with Walmart stores suffered increased poverty compared with counties without Walmarts. Because Walmart comes into a place and undercuts, deliberately undercuts all the other stores initially, even charges less than they normally do, to put everybody else out of business. It's basically like a nuclear bomb, which wastes everything around it, right? But somehow they're in a bubble where they remain safe. It's like one of those um, neutron bombs that you hear about. I don't know if it's a reality, which could be dropped uh, in an area and uh, preserves property but kills all the people. So Walmart comes into an area. It puts all the businesses out of business. So that uh, in aggregate, over a period of years, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, possibly millions of people, Walmart employs 1.1 million people, probably that many people were put out of jobs in small businesses and factories and other places that sold things and serviced people for generations anywhere near where a Walmart comes. Okay, so... Um, Let's see. U.S. counties with Walmart stores suffered increased poverty compared with the counties without Walmarts. They hypothesized, the professors, that this could be due to the displacement of workers from higher-paid jobs in the retailers' customers, uh, from higher-paid jobs in the retailers' customers no longer choose to patronize. In other words, uh, people were getting decent living wages at small businesses because they lived in the community and knew each other and understood that we're all here to help each other and not to cheat each other and turn each other into slaves for our own benefit. All these people lost their jobs because Walmart opened a place that sold things cheaper than these businesses did because it's made by slave labor and because they pay less to their workers. Walmart provided less local charity than the replaced businesses and a shrinking pool of local leadership and reduced social capital, which is an important uh, phrase, due to a reduced number of local independent businesses. 2.2 uh, million employees worldwide. Walmart has faced a torrent of lawsuits and issues with regard to its workforce. Low wages, poor working conditions, um, inadequate health care, et cetera, et cetera. 
once again, last year they made $15.7 billion in net profit, half of which goes to the Walton family. The CEO of uh, the chief executive officer of Walmart, his name is Michael Duke. This son of a bitch makes $20.7 million a year. He makes more in one hour, in one hour, sitting on his ass behind a desk or on his corporate jet, than an average Walmart employee standing on their feet or working on their knees unloading a truck with a mask on. He makes more in one hour than an average Walmart employee makes in one year. Do we really want to live in a country like that? Do we want it to continue that way? Um, let's see. The company has 19 corporate jets at its home, uh, its uh, home Benton. I think it's Bentonville, Arkansas. They have 19 corporate jets. Um, there's a, an airport uh, called Rogers Airport uh, at the company's home headquarters. I think it's in Bentonville, Arkansas. Rogers uh, Airport. Yes, it's called Rogers Airport. Uh, Rogers Airport is a very small airport. It handled the fourth lowest number of flights of any airport with a control tower. Many airports, very small airports, don't have control towers. In um, the headquarters, near the headquarters of the Walton family uh, and the Walton Cor- the Walmart Corporation, they have 20 corporate jets, and uh, it accounts for 20% of the traffic at this small airport. But it has a tower, and this uh, airport gets the largest disproportionate amount of federal subsidy money. Small airports with towers get federal money to help operate because it's, uh, you know, in the, uh, it's for the safety of, uh, of uh, residents, you know, fly in and out of the airport. And for local residents, they need a tower, air traffic control tower. Uh, this one uh, is, is somehow so special that Congress needed to protect it or protect its biggest customer, that is Walmart, from having the costs of a tower passed along um, you know, from the airport. The measure is measure to provide subsidies. Walmart's is so rich, but they st- the Waltons are so rich, they still need a subsidy for their corporate jets to land at the, at the airport. The airport gets a subsidy, um, and it was championed by, guess who? The two Arkansas senators, Republican Steve Walmack and Democratic Senator Mark Pryor, whose biggest donors include the Walmart employees, that is to say, not the average worker who has no extra money, but employees like, you know, vice presidents and the heads of divisions. Taxpayers are left responsible for a higher share of costs for this, uh, for operating the Rogers Tower than called for by U.S. guidelines for low-traffic airports. Some members of the board of Walmart, uh, the members of the board of Walmart are at the moment either actively or formally the head of other major corporations like Coca-Cola, the... um, Here's a, here's a typical um, person who's on the board of Walmart. There's 17 members on the board. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Her name is Linda Wolf, and she is the uh, former or she the current head of a gigantic international uh, advertising firm called Leo Burnett. Uh, her name is Linda Wolf. Uh, she has a Chicago home that uh, sold for over $2.4 million last, uh, uh, last year. Linda and her husband, Ron Wolf, also own a home in Nantucket, Massachusetts. In 2003, the Wolfs bought a special parcel of land in Nantucket for over $1.6 million. On it, they constructed a five-bedroom, five-bathroom home as well as a two-bedroom guest house. The property is now valued at $3.6 million. Uh, just by sitting on the board, uh, Ms. Wolf received $279,000 in compensation. 
And what is her job on the board? She's in charge of uh, setting the salaries for Walmart employees. So this woman, um, who is... Um, who was on the board at Walmart. And by the way, this company, Leo Burnett, has been investigated for all sorts of uh, violations of, uh, of fraud and bribery uh, where it operates in various parts of the world. In fact, half of the companies on the board, uh, the people who sit on the board, the companies that they are in charge of or used to be in charge of, like uh, the Coca-Cola bottling company, uh, was uh, was investigated and accused of beating workers down in um, plants in Colombia and using the government to hire police to beat workers. All of these companies, these international companies, these vast capitalist organizations, these people are basically international criminals. They should all be languishing in jail, but they sit on the board of Walmart and they make all this money. Um, the other thing the Walton family does is they are the leaders in hiding their money in charitable trusts. They take billions of dollars of money that they own and that they get every year from owning Walmart and getting dividends, and they funnel a lot of it into. They have set the. They have. Uh, they have led the, the the pack in doing this. They have almost invented ways of doing this. The WalMarts are fam The Waltons are famous for this. They they have plowed billions of their dollars of their own personal dollars into charitable trusts. And what happens is it's a complex tax setup. But um, this money is protected from tax. In other words, it doesn't get, uh, there's no income tax on it. There's no other kind of tax on it. And it's protected from estate tax, too. Nobody avoids the estate tax more than the Waltons. Um, it's a generally understood thing in society that if you have billions and billions of dollars, it shouldn't be passed down in perpetuity to uh, endless generations of your relatives, like it was in royal families in England and in nobility in England, because what it does is perpetuate inequality forever. It perpetuates misery and class society. So Benny, people have generally agreed since the 20s, 30s, and 40s, there should be an estate tax of something like 40 or 50% on any amount of money over a certain number of millions of dollars so that people aren't rich forever, so that most of people are poor forever. But the Walton family has, um, has set new pathways in protecting, um, protecting itself from being taxed. No one has more lawyers and has investigated ways more or bribed more congressmen and senators to figure out ways to protect themselves and their money than the Walton family. Nobody. They plowed money into what they call charitable trusts, and this money... Is, uh, is invested. This money is invested ostensibly for the sake of the charity. But if the charity has a certain mark that it has to set uh, of money that it has to raise, if, this, if the investments in this charitable trust make more money than the goal they're supposed to raise, that money is non-taxable profit for the Waltons. And on and on and on. So this is what you have. Um, I would say that we have to consider the idea of revolution. Uh, revolution is uh, the violent overthrow of a government. And let me just end, let me just end by um, by uh, you know uh, reading to you uh, the part of the Declaration of Independence. I think we're at a point where we need to have a revolution. Um, we have uh, we hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator with certain uh, inalienable, unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And governments are instituted to ensure this. Our government does not ensure this for anybody anymore. Uh, the point is that uh, these rights are life, 
But what kind of life are we talking about here? Liberty? Liberty to do what? And the pursuit of happiness. But pursued at what and at whose expense? We can't have these many people being that rich and the rest of us being that poor. It is time for an actual revolution. I don't know what form it will take. Voting is hopeless. It is time for a revolution. I went walking.